0: happy belated veterinary assistant appreciation week this week we want to talk to you about vet assistant appreciation week that was held february 14th through 18th and we missed it this week on the veterinary viewfinder Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And one of the tough topics that we have to tackle is something that we did ourselves. We missed it, folks. Viewfinders, February 14th through the 18th of the year 2022, was designated as Veterinary Assistant Appreciation Week by our dear friends at the Schwartzmann Animal Medical Center up in New York City. And... We forgot about it. We didn't know about it. Actually, we found out about it a little later, so today we want to talk about it. But more importantly, we want to talk about the role that veterinary assistants play in our clinics, why they're essential for our success, and how we can collaborate and communicate better amongst the whole team. But before we get into that big, wild conversation, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward.
1: And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser.
0: And we missed it. We missed it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we didn't mean to miss it. Well, like you we said, didn't we didn't know it. Yeah, about yeah. it. As soon we, as we found yeah. out about it, we said, well, we have a topic for next week because we're sad we missed it.
0: Yeah, we really are. And, and Viewfinders, I mean, you know, uh, Becky and our longstanding appreciation for our everybody who works in a vet clinic. And we also have uh, on the podcast multiple times sort of detailed some of the drama around, you know, this other week, (laughs) Veterinary Technician Week, and somehow, you know, we want to make sure that we recognize those individual roles. And so, Becky, I think really today's conversation is around those unique skills, qualities, attributes that our veterinary assistants have that make them special compared to everybody else.
1: Right. So, do. First to the drama, right? The drama is we celebrate everybody in the clinic on National Veterinary Technician Week because they're all equally important members, yada, yada. Okay. Um, That being said, it does not celebrate the individuals for their individual roles. And I think part of that. Is because in a lot of clinics there is no delineation in skills between veterinary assistants and and duties between veterinary assistants and veterinary technicians. When we look at facilities like AMC and and they're they're huge, they're amazing, they're wonderful. But I also understand there are tiny little freestanding clinics doing it really well too. Yes. But when we look at these types of facilities, they have built out policies and procedures and usage in delineating the staffs that are credentialed and the staff that is non-credentialed. Um, and therefore, creating two separate, really important jobs, and two that are really worth celebrating. And so, we want to take this opportunity to sort of talk about the incredibly important role that assistants do play, and talk a little bit about what their role is, um, and why it's you know it's okay to to have two separate roles in the clinic.
0: Yeah, and and two separate weeks or three separate weeks because we've got uh, National Veterinary Receptionist Week coming up in April, Becky. I think you'll talk to us more about that later. But but it's really important, Becky, I, I agree to delineate these roles because viewfinders, moving forward, I mean, the profession will be comprised of a lot more than just veterinarians and veterinary technicians. So, you know, we think that, number one, we're all about inclusivity here on the viewfinder, but reality is that in those smaller clinics, we do need to make sure that we understand the boundaries, what you can do legally by your state medical board, and and certainly what you should be doing as far as, you know, making your clinic more efficient. And this means working together with other people with different skills, experiences, backgrounds, abilities, yada, yada, yada. And so what I like about this, these subtle little movements that are are out there, is they're saying, okay, look, we want to appreciate this role. And I think that the first thing that we have to do is say, hey, it's not taking away from my value because you're celebrating somebody else. And I think, Becky, that's really sort of the the foundation of the other drama that we've seen over the past several years.
1: Yeah, I I mean, that's to me exactly what it is. and. I don't. I I don't always love comparing our field to human medicine because there are so many differences, and and we actually did a whole podcast on why we shouldn't compare. But when we look there, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's no shame in the game on the human side if you are a medical assistant. Um, I don't. I don't know all the acronyms. You know, there's a LPN and like there's all the things. But there are different levels in the hospital. They have different delineations of duties. A lot of times, the medical assistants are in nursing school working their way up. But there are right. some people who are like, this is actually my jam and where I really thrive. And this is my whole world. And I I love it right here. Um, and I think that's a veterinary assistant role. You know, I always say veterinary technicians are not a consolation prize to veterinarians. Well, right. I don't think veterinary assistants are a consolation prize to veterinary technicians. Amen. I think there are a lot of really brilliant, great, loving, hardworking veterinary assistants out there who are are really happy in that role because it facilitates what they want to do, which might not be Uh, you know, as diagnostic based as opposed to really, really hands on. I mean, they're even more hands on than technicians. And I always tell you, I chose technician over veterinarian because it was hands on.
0: Yeah. And that's a really good point right there. So again, viewfinders, you know, the differences between, you know, our roles is predicated on credentials, education, licensure. We get that, right? But then within that, there's a subset of other people that are always going to be necessary to run a medical facility. And I'll tell you, viewfinders, where I I think this is going to become incredibly salient and impactful is as we become more and more corporatized, because I think that's where this power, you know, in aggregation is going to really come about. And so I think it's important for us to start to set those boundaries, because I can tell you, from working with most of the the large corporations in the United States and the UK, you know, they are very clear on where those boundaries are, what the roles are, what the expectations are. And so, you know, this just makes sense to me. Of course, happy Veterinary Assistant Appreciation Week. <laughs>
1: Uh, just to take a real hard left into the weeds here. Uh oh. <laughs> you just pointed out how a corporate's going to be ahead of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> in creating these delineations, which makes me so sad. So, so state board. It's true. It's so I hope true. you're listening because this is your opportunity to get in front of the corporations yep. in creating your delineations, your laws, and whatever. So, okay, hard right back onto the road. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's that's exactly the point is that the private enterprise is actually taking over over this domain, because yeah. guess what? There's no regulatory input here. So, you know, and, and in fact, you know, Becky, I know how you always like to joke about, it should be renamed the American Veterinarians Society, joke, or Medical but yeah. Association, right? But, but here's the same thing with vet techs, with vets, I mean, so we've got this whole other subset, arguably the greatest percentage of our workforce. And yeah. we're just kind of like, oh, I don't know, what do you guys want to do? You know, and, and we, we can do better. The other thing too, sure. that just to to lead us back into, we had a fantastic episode recently with Liz Houston, uh, the amazing CVT, RVT, LVT out from California, who's helping uh, people unionize in veterinary profession. And Becky, this is again, going to be one of those areas where suddenly we're going to have this large portion of our workforce who's completely underrepresented, under, you know, utilized. And uh, would argue in many instances. And they're going to want to they're going to want to come together to try to make sure that they have, you know, they're they're cared for properly as well.
1: You know, it's funny um, not to not acknowledge what you just said, but how you just um, brought up underutilization of assistance. Yeah. I would I, I kind of argue over-utilization. overutilization. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. OK, because it's like actually they're set up for failure in being told to do this thing not taught the why behind the skill um i think there are a lot of assistants out there who really want that background knowledge and for whatever reasons um haven't pursued a credential personal financial or or just being content but but yeah there's this sort of i think unfortunate situation with assistants where uh, they're not only underrepresented, but I think they kind of fall into this gray area, gray area where it's even hard for them to speak up and advocate for themselves because we don't have clear differenti- differentiation and delineation. I one time had a friend who who was a veterinary assistant who Who really pushed back against being taught hands-on technician skills. He's like, I'm a I'm an assistant. I am not here to be trained to be a technician. I want to live in the assistant world. I want to do the assistant job and I get paid to be an assistant. So no, no, thank you. I don't want to learn those skills. He was happy where he was.
0: Yeah, and, and Becky, that's absolutely a fair criticism. What I meant was I'm I'm looking and working with some of these larger groups, and they are already starting to Develop programs for training, right now. These yeah. don't have any any legal standings, right? But they're saying, "Look, we get it. We've got this whole large population that we want to make sure they do understand some of the why, and they can do their yeah. their jobs better." So that's where I think that's kind of where my head is already. And I would say too, viewfinders, you know, this is an opportunity. And right now, I am seeing several businesses. And corporate groups try to brand this. So they want to own this space of training and quote unquote credentialing. And I think that always gives me pause, Becky, quite frankly. I'm all for the private sector doing this stuff, but I really also think we need to get some kind of oversight to go, okay, let's, let's all sit down. Let's get vets at the table. Let's get vet techs at the table and determine what an assistant actually should and could do.
1: Sure. And that's where the approved veterinary assistant program from NAFTA really, I think, is the leader in the space, mm-hmm. because they've worked very hard in creating at least a standard. Um, and it's a very rigorous standard. So for these veterinary assistant programs to become certified, they, they really have to go through a very rigorous process of proving that they are staying within the veterinary assistant boundaries. Um, but they are expansive enough to be a quality education for an individual to invest in. Obviously, yeah. A lot of them have reciprocity with their technician programs to kind of roll into should they choose to do that. Um, And I'm glad you brought that up because it's something I really want to talk about in this episode a little bit is I used to be, as a technician, very against the uh, assistant programs. I thought they were a waste of time, waste of money, um, because why would you? And then I met Janet McConnell, who is amazing and brilliant and wonderful, and started um, one of the um, accredited programs, assistant programs out in New Jersey. And she really taught me a lot about what the programs are meant to do, Um, and from a technician standpoint really um, expounded on how they are taught not to cross into what could be considered cred- credentialed skills, but instead be really, really, really knowledgeable in what their their job is. Um, And I think it is important to talk about the skills that they are, um, you know, being designated and and, um, educated for. And all of that is available on NAFTA's website if you look up their um, certified assistant programs.
0: Yeah, and, and I love this because, see, right there, Becky, you've once again made a case that we need to get state veterinary medical boards involved. Because right now, this is ad hoc. We're making up our own rules and NAVTA is doing a great job at setting down some initial templates, but guess what? There's no, no legal impact that that makes, I mean, it doesn't do anything, right? It's just a, it's just a, when we talked about those certifications, do they matter in 2022? This is one of those certifications that only matters to the individual, right? I mean, not taking anything away from the program, but, and it's important, but, you know, we need to sit down with the stakeholders and go, how can we make this a real thing so that we can actually make it a better thing?
1: Sure. 100%. I mean, I think the state should really be looking—we keep saying that, right? Credentialed (laughs) versus non-credentialed. Right. I mean, the idea that we're going in and providing any kind of medical care without any kind of medical education blows my mind. Like, it just— the the idea and and I'm not I'm sorry because um a lot of listeners and a lot of my own personal friends started out in the hospital with zero ex- experience and that's sure. not their fault like I'm not blaming anybody who took that journey because they were allowed to or that that was their route because it's per, it's you can do it why yeah, wouldn't you do what right. you can do I'm just saying I'm not for it um but w- w- I want to go back to, you, to your underutilization statement and and um and say it is important, I think, for us to talk about where they can be utilized, what they should be utilized for, and where you can really leverage your assistants in the practice to keep them from being bored and to make them feel <laughs> right. that they have autonomy and part of the clinic. So, Dr. Ernie, when you were in practice, yep. what did your assistants do?
0: Everything that the techs couldn't do. <laughs> 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 or the doctors, of course. So sure. by that, we, they did a lot of restraint. They did a lot of maintenance, right? A lot of administration of oral medications, for example. You know, they they really did what, what our role for them was to help the techs, the veterinary technicians. That was really so if Becky, the veterinary technician, licensed, credential, blah, 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 says, hey, you know, Tony, the assistant, can you help me put this catheter in? A Tony wasn't putting the Catherine, but B Tony had been trained by our team to actually do proper restraint, get out the materials like like Tony would prep the the the. the table, right? I mean, yeah. he had it all laid out, ready to go. And then Becky, the tech flies in and says, okay, go get Buster, put Buster up, let's do this. And we were done. And I think that allowed us to leverage those technicians because like an assistance, right? Um, they, I'm sorry, in dentals, they would assist the technician doing the dental procedures. Again, not extractions, but you know, the regular prophy, the cleaning. And so suddenly they had an extra hand there. And what yeah. I find in a lot of clinics is guess what? It's the vet being the extra hand, which is a complete yeah. waste of time.
1: Sure, or two credentialed techs, right? Two, in the room two, where right? you've got one assisting and and one working and um, there is and then nothing's happening on the floor, right? We're all at a standstill because we don't have anybody skilled or credentialed to do the following things. So um, AMC, I think defined it really well. I think again, um, NAFTA's program is a is a great place to go, but one area I think um, we could really use more, utilize more of our assistance is in patient monitoring. And I don't mean during surgery, but I mean, post-surgery. I think they're in the
0: cage, right? Right. They're in the cage,
1: right? I think um, maybe not in our ICU and our intensive patients, but maybe so. Right. Like, I think these are like, I know I have gotten myself stuck in critical care for hours and hours because you have so many patients. You got to rotate every 15 minutes. You can't get out. And remember thinking like I really could use somebody to just run through here and take temperatures run through here and get food. Um, Our veterinary assistants are awesome. At that and and there's so much patient handling in that case that they feel. A part of the team I think they're doing what they're there to do and I think really a great opportunity to teach them a lot of things about um just the medical basis of our pets the other area i think that they get underutilized uh, where we are not delineating our credential text versus our veterinary assistants, is in the client advocacy and the and sometimes that education area with clients I think they could be great at discharges I think we can always follow up with technicians with questions but That call back 48 hours just to see how Buster's doing, um, because they can answer a lot of basic questions. They can convey information educated. I think there's sometimes we lean into our receptionists to do client education with zero medical knowledge, and they weren't in the back when Buster was, and we could really leverage our assistance here.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, Becky, because the phone calls, the follow up, some client communication, we did absolutely leverage that relationship. Having said that, this just makes the case once again for the importance of training and oversight, and I would dare say credentialing and licensing, because, you know, you know, this helps again establish the boundaries out of the get-go. And viewfinders, look, I'll be the first to admit, yes, this is a little bit of the cart before the horse because we still haven't figured out our vet techs. I mean, quite frankly, yeah. I mean, this is a mess. We don't have license protection. You know, we, we there's a handful of states that still don't even recognize it. I mean, come on. So I understand that, but we also have to always be looking forward if we're going to make change. Like, you know, you can't just say, well, wait, we're not doing thinking about anything else in our profession until we get this vet tech. You know. Roles and defined and clearly how, how are they going to be you know, licensed and what's the educational requirements? That no, we have to <laughs> continue to move in parallel, and that's where I think this is super important. But I love the way what you said there, Becky, because there's so many of those areas again that they can assist. You know, and again, I am not going. They're not going to be in there with me in surgery. You know, like monitoring all this stuff. I do want my text. They're not going to be making a follow up phone call after a low dose text. I mean, I need a tech, sure. right. So there's a lot of, of boundaries there. But again, Becky. What I hate is when you just let the market determine those boundaries, then they're all over the place.
1: I mean, well, yes, 100 percent. You know, I was sitting when you were talking, I was sitting here thinking about sorting socks, you know, like it almost feels like sorting socks. You dump out this big pile um, and you do you have to separate everything out, but you certainly don't pull out only the white ones, only the (laughs) black ones, only the mixed match ones. You kind of sort it out as you go. And I feel like that's something we could be doing right. Like we could dump out the pile of socks of of duties And we can really just separate them out as we go. I don't think it's an act of God to do so, but it seems like it is with our our state boards in making these piles clear everyone has a better idea of what they are are meant to do and can grow better in their role
0: yep, yep. I totally agree with that and again the sorting socks is actually a, a good metaphor because you wouldn't just say well we're not going to do the laundry because we've we haven't finished the socks yet I mean you're going to yep. continue to to put an X load in or whatever which I have to do uh, here later today <laughs> but regardless <laughs> but you know regardless again just think about all of those roles and how they help and this is why again you know it's its it's it's important to appreciate them because you just... What I keep coming back to, Becky, and I keep talking to everyone I can about this, and, and again, thank you, Viewfinders, for, for hearing me out once again, is the fact that this is a very vast, broad profession. We need a whole lot of different people to make it better. And this is just one of those elements that we need to make it better, including receptionists, which we'll be talking about in April when their week comes up. But regardless, Becky, you know, I think that what has happened is there's been so much infighting. It's crabs in a pot, right? So we're just trying to climb over each other to get out of that boiling hot water. And uh, terrible metaphor, but I'm just – I mean, vets fought vet techs and still do in many states, right? And vet techs, I don't want them to push back on assistance because they go, well, wait, they're blurry. This is all encroaching on me. It's like I think this is all additive. I do believe this is a classic story of the rising tide floats all ships. I do.
1: Well, yes. I would say if you do feel like it's encroaching, take the time to be educated on what a veterinary assistant – like so just uh, – Take NAFTA, for example, in the sense that I'm not saying that they are the end-all, say-all, do-all in this case, but they have really— Pull pulled these programs out from a skill and an education um, basis, and I think start, it's a great starting point. So I think that's a great place to start to take a look and see how you're utilizing the different roles in your clinic. And um, I think that we can really create amazing assistance in their roles um, by educating ourselves, right? And so I think that's like the number one thing we probably haven't done. We have assumptions about what they, and it's sort of like you said, well, they do everything the techs don't do. Well. I would not want that to be my job description. Could you please be a little more specific, (laughs) right? So do you have a really good, you know, definition and delineation in your clinic? Because I think that's where you're going to get really professional assistants and really professional technicians and a a really good start to that culture we're always talking about.
0: Yeah. And and Becky too, you know, I I love what you brought up earlier about if you really want to talk about hands-on care in a veterinary hospital setting, then the assistants really do the majority of that In in my experience in our clinics, right? So if you're that type of individual that you really love, you know, hands-on holding, caring, placing, cleaning, you know, walking, I mean, all that other stuff, taking temps, uh, then this is a perfect job for you. And, And again, I like what you also said was that there are some people out there who this is very appealing. Like this is yeah. not a consolation prize. And even if it were a consolation prize, mm-hmm. Becky, so what? Right? I mean, it's a yeah. great rewarding job. We've got to, I believe what we've got to do is really, as you say, establish some some boundaries, establish some pathways for licensure and so forth, so that we make it a career. Because the other part of this story that that I really want to focus on is the churn rate, the turnover rate. Yeah. So, you know. Honestly, no matter what position you are in the clinic, if we're losing you over and over again, whether it's receptionists or doctors or technicians or assistants, that is costing us in productivity and revenue, which means we can't pay you as much. So I'm all for ways to try to get people to think of this as a career, not just as a temporary job that I did while I was 18 years old or whatever. You know, I want, I really want this to be something satisfying.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like nobody wants to go to work all—you know, we talk about you spend more time at work than you do at home and with the people—than you you do with the people you choose to live with. It it should be a good, enriching experience all the way around. And so if this is a stepping stone job for you, it should feel like a stepping stone job. You should— be finding a clinic that supports your education within the boundaries of your skill level and within the laws. I think that as veterinary assistants, you should personally, I think, reach out to your state association. Say, hey, I'm a veterinary assistant, and I would love to see you be more definitive of my role in the in the board. Um, they don't have regulation over assistance. I think boards should be absolutely looking at that as well. Um... I think there's a lot and again we talk about it's so muddied that in there is some potential to clear the mud if we start if we if we work through the assistant pile like while we're working through the the technician pile. So um I would like to see a more cohesive team through more utilization, better delineation, and respect in all the separate roles.
0: Yeah. And and again, viewfinders, you Finders, if we're going to be taking taken seriously as a medical enterprise, right? I mean, these roles, these delineations, these definitions matter. Because what I mean, again, I'm always trying to think, you know, 10 years into the future, I really want the veterinary profession to be viewed, you know, okay, these people are super competent and capable. And that means, you know, from the the, the veterinarian all the way down to the assistant. And I think that's what's lacking. And the other thing too is guys, you know, I can tell you as we become an increasingly litigious society, that's where this stuff really comes into play. This can help save us in so many ways, not just the public confidence, but also in the safety and, and care of our patients.
1: It's so true. Cause it was making me think about like, have you ever had the warm body experience of an assistant where like you go into a clinic and they're just sort of like, Oh, Oh, I, I'm, I'm not too sure. I'll have to ask. Right. You know, like they have literally yeah. no empowerment through their understanding and education. And I feel bad for them in the sense that I've put them on the spot in that way. But two, it's sort of it gives a whole clinic image, right? Like right. everyone, I want everyone who handles my pets to come off as competent and confident. And if they are not, I feel it's a reflection of the clinic. Now that doesn't mean you can't say, Oh, I don't know. Let me go ask. Right. But there are times where, you know, you ask a question about a procedure or, or the way something goes, a process. And you, it's like, Oh, you get the feeling like they barely even work there. And so, um, I, I think that can muddy the whole experience. So I'm glad you said that. Cause I think it's a good point. When we just look at the whole client experience as well as the whole team member experience, it sucks to be thrown into something when you feel like you don't know what you're doing, when you don't know what the outcome should look like. And I think veterinary assistants especially um, are given outcome-based responsibilities without procedural-based procedures.
0: Yeah, right. And and again, you know, to get back to the cart before the horse, you know, I think what's happened once again is the cart is sort of these educational structures, and we're starting to see now some privatized solutions. So you can actually go and get a quote unquote assistant veterinary assistant type degree or something, but it doesn't have anything. The there's no horse. (laughs) There's no no regulatory oversight. There's no no there's no enforcement, right? I mean, there's nothing to do with it. So that's where I really wish that we could be working in more concert. And again you know, viewfinders, I think what I love about these opportunities and including the current vet tech dilemma is right now we still have a largely blank slate. Like we can define what are the educational requirements. We can say how long, you know, how long would it take to do this? And then what can they do? I mean, I just, we're still at this exciting threshold for our profession where we can really change the future.
1: I 100% I agree. I will say, though, please don't wait for the horse to get in front
0: of the cart. That's,
1: I think, the problem with our situation of the cart being in front of the horse, because in theory, the horse is going to not show up, you know, and then corporate's going to come in and they're going to put the cart on an engine and it's gonna run itself because that's what they do, uh, if we're really gonna pull this metaphor all the way to the end. So I guess my (laughs) concern is don't wait for the regulatory to start to make the delineations in your clinics and to start to make the delineations within the roles of the people you work with, um, do start to define them and and I guess leverage what is out there that's well done uh, and include your teams.
0: Yeah, bravo. And this gets us right back to where we started, Viewfinders, where I kind of alluded to the fact that some of these large corporate entities are already going on this road, right? They're already pulling that cart themselves. And they've yeah. got a jetpack, as Becky said. And so, you know, this will happen very, very rapidly. I think it's only going to be for the good. So uh, again, the whole point of this thing was to say thank you, veterinary assistants. We, we love you. We feel you. We are here to support and advocate for you. And we probably have been doing it for a long time because we think that you you are an important, essential component of our profession. And we want to make sure that, that we keep doing the things that you need us to do to make this a better, more fulfilling career in the, in the long run. So viewfinders, what do you think about Veterinary Assistant Appreciation Week? Is it a good idea? Or should we just all bundle it up into one big week and say, hey, thanks, everybody? <laughs> I don't know. Don't I really want dare. to hear your ideas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that idea. No, you know where to find us. And also, I just want to say really well said, Dr. Ernie. That is exactly what we want for assistants. We want them to feel like the professionals that they are and can be and, and be well utilized. So um, holler at us. You know where to find us. Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. Shoot us an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com.
0: Hey, and if you guys want to see uh, Becky and I do some of this stuff live on the internet, just email Stop. Becky, Viewfinder at Gmail and say, hey, Becky, we want to do a Q&A show with you guys. So, you know, hey, I'm just saying I, I'm volunteering. But uh. He's
1: trying to make me get ready before these <laughs> podcasts, you guys. Leggings. Yeah, no, we'll, we, we'll talk about it. Actually, I would love to do a Q&A with you guys. If that's something you're interested in, let us know. We'll
0: do something. Let us know. All right, guys, you guys have a great week. We will talk to you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.